How long ago did I email you the first time? I don't know. To do this. This is It's been a while. This has been It's been a couple months. I'm gonna say it's been close to a year at it's this point. It's possible it's been a year. Yeah. Yeah. What have you been doing in the past six months that, that's preclu- precluded you from doing anything else? What haven't I been doing, yeah. Brian? Um, mostly working on my new book, mm-hmm. which was just announced at Comic Con, but that I've been working on since at least a year ago. Um, I started writing that book last spring and then I went on a book tour and that kind of yeah. delayed the process by a few months. But then after the book tour was done, I came home. Wrote the script in a month, turned it into my editors, you know, got the second draft together in another month or two, and then started drawing. So I think I started drawing in April, and it's 240 pages, and my deadline is next January. So, oh, you got all the time in the eh, world. You know, yeah. but, but of course, they, they call me up quite often to say, hey, can you come and do the Mocha Art Fest this weekend? And yeah. Can you come and do a Scholastic Book Fairs event? And then I was away for two and a half weeks this summer just for ALA and Comic-Con. So it's, you know, there's, there's sure. always something going on. Are they pretty, as far as like, as far as your process of actually creating the book, are they pretty hands-off at this point? Do you kind of get to do um, what you want to do? They're more involved at the beginning. Yeah. So when I'm actually the writing the script, yeah, my editor is very hands-on. Didn't used to be that way. It used to be that I just made a script and they were like, well, there, there it is. And this is your now book. Now that a lot of people are reading your book now. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's absolutely true. But um, I'm actually, you know, when I wrote Smile, it was just so intuitive and off the cuff and it was just my story. Yeah. And now that I'm doing all sorts of other stuff and doing fiction, I actually do need the uh, input from other people to tell me if I'm on track and if the story's working and all that. So. I it, we were talking about this before, but you know it's really funny. I, I interviewed you for my website, however many years that was, ago that was now, at least five. It was at least five. Yeah, I don't remember if Smile was out yet. No, no. Well, that's what I was going to get to. So, okay. so that was like about a block that way at the yeah. Igloo Cafe. Um, Smile wasn't out, and I remember you being very nervous about Aww. it, and you didn't think. <laughs> and I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how much of it's modesty. I don't know how much of it is just because, like, I get the same way about things where I, I just sort of, I, I guess, I kind of plan for the worst. Yeah. You know, because <laughs> it's it's better to be like happily surprised and disappointed. Yeah. Um, but I remember giving you a little, I remember giving you a pep talk and saying that, that of course this is going to do really well. Um, how how surprised were you? <laughs> well, I mean, I think everybody was surprised yeah. because Smile was such a an untested thing. There was not mm. another thing out there that was like it. So, as, as far as I mean, as there are YA comics to yes, some degree, but yeah. there weren't necessarily middle grade graphic novels. There weren't a lot of memoirs for kids mm-hmm. at the time, and it just—I had people tell me things like, "Well, we only do fiction, or we only do linear storytelling, and we only do stuff that's contemporary." And so mm. there were all these kind of rules that people thought were in place. And really the only thing that was popular with girls at the time was manga. So they were like, we want a big series and we want, you know, crazy vampire characters (laughs) and magical girls and stuff like that. And I mean, Minx was starting up at the time, like at DC and, you know, they they had a really specific format that they wanted to have their creators write in and, and they asked me to pitch. And I was just like, I don't think I'm doing what you want. So it just... It was just really hard to tell whether Smile was going to find an audience. And I knew it would find a small audience. And even before the book itself came out, the ARC was published. And the ARC just means the advanced reader copy. So it's like the pre-pub version. And it's in black and white. And that gets sent out to like bookstore owners mm-hmm. and librarians and stuff. And, and even before the book was out, I was getting responses from the ARC from kids. 
who were the children of the booksellers who were finding it in their piles <laughs> and going, oh, it's this. And so they were already giving me feedback and, mm-hmm. and asking when the next book was coming out. And so I, I had a sense around the publication time that Smile was going to at least be a, a modest success, but nobody could have possibly predicted. Yeah. And, and it's, it started off as, as the mini. Was it? Is it easier for you to write when you assume that no one's going to be reading it? Probably. <laughs> I mean, I was publishing it on the web. Yeah. So I was just doing like a page a week. Yeah. And at the time, it was posted to girlomatic.com. Mm-hmm. If, you, if you remember the yeah. Modern Tales suite yeah, of yeah. web comics websites. Um, and the format used to be that you could only read whatever the most recent strip was for free and you had to pay to access the mm-hmm. archives. So I had this thing every week where I'd send out like an email to my you know list of 200 friends and be like, read it, read it now. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, you won't get a chance to read it unless you pay for it. So I had this fun rapport going on with my ongoing readers and they'd send me feedback then too. Um, and so it was sort of just like writing something for my friends. Yeah. And I'd get emails from my friends every week to say, oh, hey, that was funny. But it, it felt really intimate. It felt really personal. Um, people weren't really sitting down to just read it as a story. They were just reading it week to week and then commenting, wow, I can't believe this thing happened to you. And, oh, your teeth. I didn't realize. And so it, it started small. So I, I guess in, 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 a, in a way it, it wasn't necessarily a YA book if it was for your friends, for your contemporaries. Yeah, I don't think we knew. I don't think I knew what YA meant <laughs> when I started working on Smile. I knew. Wait, 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 does, it, does it predate Babysitter's Club? Online? They actually started at the same time. Okay. So I got the contract for the Babysitter's Club with Scholastic in 2004. And the first book was published in 2006. And I started Smile, I think, in May of 2004. So, I mean, I was drawing the first pages of Smile on the first pages of Babysitter's Number 1 mm-hmm. at the exact same time. So you can sort of follow, like, my style evolution through those projects yeah. at the same time. Um, yeah, it, everything all kind of happened at once. It's, it's it's sort of a nice it's kind of a nice storytelling boot camp in a way when you're working with an established author when you're working with these it's fine okay <laughs> it's, we're, at, we're at a Greek restaurant it's going to get very familiar hey. familial yeah yeah um, but but I mean in, in a way that was kind of like the perfect setup to learn how to tell a story yeah um, I mean when they hired me to do the Babysitters Club comics my longest story that I had ever written was eight pages long mm-hmm. so being able to be told by an editor, no, we want you to do 200 pages. Yeah. And you don't have to write the story. You're just doing the adaptation. But the the confidence that that gave me was important. And because Smile was just a week-to-week thing, I wasn't really thinking about it as a long-term project. It was just, oh, what do I have to do this week? This. Okay, done. And then if you stick to that schedule before you know it, you've got a lot of work amassed. It's it's interesting. Can you look back and does does, does, uh, the structure reflect the fact that it was done as a serial? Definitely. And in fact, when we went to actually get it ready for print, I ended up kind of rejiggering little things at the beginning of the book just to kind of introduce you to the characters right off the bat and make it so that it read like a book as opposed to just dropping you into something. Yeah. How closely did you work with her on those? Um, in the beginning, she and I had a liaison and it was her... A liaison? Yeah. You make it sound so shady. (laughs) No, it was, it was David Levithan. Sorry, David Levithan. I just put my hand in front of my face. Who is an editor that has been working with Ann Martin since he was 19 years old. Oh, wow. Like, he had been at the company for a long time. And he yeah. used to be her assistant editor, I believe. 
So they've had a working relationship since like the mid '80s, or possibly a different point in time. And uh, yeah, so so he was still he's still at Scholastic, and he's he's like a big shot editor there now. So he he was able to like bridge that gap. And I'd send him my drafts, and then he would send them to her. And she was pretty hands-off at first and would just say things like, oh, Claudia should not be wearing a bustier. That's yeah. un- that's inappropriate for a 12-year-old. <laughs> so she, she kind of kept me in check with certain character traits because she knows her character is yeah. better than anybody else. But um, it wasn't until after the first book was published that she actually sat down and read it and realized that she liked it. And then she and I got to meet and have lunch together, and she was like, you actually get it. That's interesting. So she she must have just been like, yeah, I guess whatever. She's just like, go do your thing. They've had a movie and TV yeah. shows. Like she's had so many adaptations done on that yeah. series that I think she just was able to detach at this point. But she ended up really liking what I did, and then we started talking about the characters as if we were both involved in what was going on in their mm. brains, mm-hmm. and that was really weird. And then ever since then, she's kind of been available to me and and very sweet and very gracious. I mean, she's a really awesome wonderful lady and i've been a fan of her since i was nine so what, what, what do you mean by available are you are you bouncing meaning, ideas off of her no but i but now if i have a question with the script i mean i will ask david to ask her and then she'll just tell okay. me the answer uh, the stuff you're working on now or are you still doing some no this is this is before this oh, okay. is the babysitter's club stuff no uh, she didn't edit smile don't no worry. no not edit i know i'm just wondering though because like you said like you've got this this kind of tremendous resource you know somebody who's been doing YA for longer than people were saying YA. I mean, she and I did just do an event together at ALA a couple of months ago where we we did a signing, you know, and they had us do like a social media breakfast. So they took all these pictures of us like eating oatmeal together and it was great. But because they're re-releasing the Babysitter's Club in color now, it's kind of getting a new life. And what's really fascinating is now my name is the tagline. Now my name is at the top of that little... That must feel like sacrilege. Yeah, it used to say Anna Martin's The Babysitter's Club, and now it says Raina Telgemeier, The Babysitter's Club, based on the novel by Anna Martin. So it's it's sort of interesting and symbolic, and now people are going, oh my gosh, Raina has a new book out. Oh, oh, it's The Babysitter's Club. I can't believe this. And they actually don't seem to realize that these books have existed for 10 years. Oh, wow. That's interesting. So it's kind of like pulling in a whole new audience. Yeah. Are are there babysitters clubs is that that's not is that that's kind of done at this point they've been done since about the year 2000 okay they published 231 books in the series yeah. sorry 131 books in sure. the series still a lot of still books. a lot of books um and they they really did a lot with that series and there were a lot of spinoffs and there are still a lot of fans out there but most of them are adults but now, like because of the graphic novels and because they did sort of a re-release on the prose series, they've they've gotten a new kid audience in yeah. the last five to ten. Ha- has there been talk about kind of revisiting that, or <laughs> I don't really want to comment. Okay, <laughs> but that's fair. I'm sure. Well, you, I'm sure there's been talk. I'm sure you know now that it's there's always talk. Sure, that's there's fair. talk about everything. But you, I mean, you must. I, at that point, you know, how, how many books did you do? In four. The, four. Yeah. You were probably, I'm imagining you're probably ready to sort of, because you were working on Smile on the Side. Yeah. You're ready to kind of move on and do your um, own thing. Well, the, the last of the Babysitter's Club graphic novels came out in 2008. And this was the black and white inter- iterations. Yeah. Um, the color ones didn't start being published until just earlier this year. But, you know, I got a contract for Smile and put most of my attention into that. 
And at the time, I mean, the Babysitter's Club books had sold okay. Mm-hmm. They, they, they were out there, but they weren't, like, getting that much attention. And then when Smile came out in 2010, it was like a game changer. Everything, yeah. everything totally shifted, and suddenly people wanted to know more about me and about my work and wanted me to do more original stuff. So the Babysitter's Club just kind of was my back catalog, and kids would pick the books up from my table at conventions, and they'd go, oh my gosh, you have another book. Oh, it's in black and white. Oh, I don't want to read this. So we had no idea, but it turns out kids prefer color comics to black and white ones. Makes sense. Kids kids like kids like bright colors. At what point was 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 drama on the table? I mean, did 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 they did that book have to be a success before they asked for the next one? No, um, drama was picked up for publication just a couple of months after Smile came out. But the book took me two and a half years to draw. Yeah. But I think I negotiated the rights to Sisters while I was still working on drama. I think at that point, once drama was actually on the shelves and they, they saw right away that it was going to be a success, they signed me up for two more books. Yeah. So that was Sisters and Ghosts, which is what I'm working on right now. And now I have another contract in the pipeline for three more books following that. So I'm... I think I'm contracted through the year 2022 at the moment. Is that a good? Is that a good feeling? I mean, obviously you're gonna feeling. have work, but yeah. I, I don't know. It's I, I can't even imagine looking <laughs> that far ahead. There realizing. was a time in my life where I was like, I don't know if I can write another book, but now yeah. I've done it four times, and I'm feeling like I could, I could probably do it again. And I have a pretty good idea of what you, each of those books is gonna be. But was was drama? I mean, was that was that the most challenging book to write because you were moving into fiction yes and no i mean no because it's really not fiction it's just really lightly veiled okay. autobiography yeah and i always knew what that story was and i always knew i wanted to tell that story mm. but you're right i hadn't done fiction and i hadn't created characters and i didn't know how much of my ground i could really stand with with my autobio i can say well this is what happened yeah. so even if you don't think that story arc is working tough like that's just how it went down so that's what the story is going to be but with drama there was questions you know like do you do you think these two characters need to be twin brothers do you think you could combine these characters into one person do you think that you could make the characters younger you know so they they presented me with all these different options and it was up to me to decide yes no definitely not so that was an interesting experience but I think we all kind of came to the right conclusions at the end of it, and I'm very proud of that book at the end of the day. Well, smile. Yes, I mean, smile is like you had you had to tell that story. Right? I did. I mean, that was something yeah. that you would. <laughs> but after smile, I was like, I will never do autobiography yeah. again. That's the only time, and I'll never write a book about my family again. And then I did. Were, were there early iterations of Smile before you started publishing online? Was it a story you had tried to tell before? Not really. I knew. I wanted to tell it at some point. I had no idea what it was going to turn into. Like I knew, I you know, I was writing comics about my life. They were short story comics, yeah. but I figured at some point I'm just going to sit down and tell that dental story that's been kind of weighing on my mind. And being invited to be a part of Girlomatic.com was kind of the right excuse, I guess, to just dive in. So I knew yeah. it was going to be longer than eight pages. Um, the weekly deadline helped me, and knowing it had a, a place to be helped me. And and it originally it was just going to be about my teeth, you know, just about this is what happened to my teeth. Here is a story about my teeth. 
And then it became about the people in my life. It became about my family. It became about my friends. It became about my relationship with my teeth in a way that I had no idea was going to happen. That happened organically? Was that that just sort of, was that because you had to do a weekly strip? I think so. Um, And even in the first 10 pages or so of Smile, people were responding to it and they were saying things like, ooh, I don't like that girl. And oh, wow, that's really funny the way you had her say that thing to her sister. And it was like, oh, I see. People are starting to respond to things. So I started playing with that and, and pushing it in directions to uh, draw draw the tension out of the scenes a little bit, and, and especially with like the romance scenes and the middle school, you know, boy stuff was really fun. And, and so I would just like draw those scenes out as long as I possibly could because it was a week to week strip. So people were like, "Oh my gosh, what's going to happen next?" I remember being a kid and reading Calvin and Hobbes every single day, and there being a storyline about Calvin waiting for his prize from the cereal box to come in the mail. Yeah. And he had to collect, you know, all the PC codes and then he had to wait for it to come in the mail. And when you're reading that day to day and waiting for the next episode to, to hit, you're just like at night lying in your bed like, oh, my God, what is Calvin's beanie going to come? And then you read it later in the collections and you're like, this was like literally two weeks worth of strips. It yeah. was 14 strips yeah. total. And yet because of the format and the serialization of it. He made it seem like it took forever. So and, I just, and tension over like yes. that smallest thing in the yes, world. Yes, exactly. Right? So that I wanted to try to do something like that, and I think reading it online was a totally different experience than it is to read it in a book. But yeah. they both work. I, I wonder. I, I wonder how having this this audience of, of contemporaries of you know of older readers actually <laughs> actually uh, actually impacted the story. And I'm, I'm wondering if that kind of helps. You because the, the the trap that you run into at doing YA books or books for kids is that it's kind of dumbing dumbing it down. Right. But on the strength of you writing it for grownups, it you 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 couldn't. Right. Yeah. I just didn't think about it. Yeah. I just wrote it. I think my voice is naturally suited to a younger audience, though. I don't think I have like a really robust vocabulary. I had to search for the word robust just then. Did you see that? <laughs> your, vo- your voice actually like <laughs> went down a few octaves when you said robust. Robust. Yeah, um, yeah I, think, I think I still think like a kid. I think I yeah. still anticipate things the way a kid does and I think I still like reading kids material and watching kids movies and so it just, it just made sense that I would end up doing what I do. In, in those in those early days before you know even even before the, the babysitters club when you were when when you were working on on short stories um, did you go to SVA or did I make I did. you to go to SVA yeah uh, so you knew you knew you wanted to be a cartoonist I did but I was an illustration major okay <laughs> I think what was the plan there well I chose SVA because they had a cartooning program yeah but I started in 1999 and that was still at the point where cartooning meant Batman. And you could go to SVA and you could learn how to draw Batman comics. And I knew that wasn't quite the right fit. So I figured (laughs) I'll I'll be there and I'll be around these people. And I can get into elective classes and just kind of try it out. But at the time, it seemed like illustration was like a legitimate career path that one could go to and, and actually make money at. Looking back, I'm going, wait, what was I thinking? That's not true at all. But... I didn't. Well, certainly at that point, it was more lucrative than, like, YA comics. Yeah, yeah, you know, there was no yeah. 
idea that what I would end up doing would be a thing that would be possible. What about like the syndicates? I mean, that that was another option, yeah. but I had been trying to write comic strips since I was 11 mm-hmm. and failing miserably. Something about that panel, 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 punchline yeah. format just seemed really narrow. Um, I didn't feel like I was good at the humor part of it. I think I'm able to squeeze humor out of a situation, but not necessarily with like a joke sure. at the end of yeah. this setup. Yeah, so it just it just never felt quite right. And it wasn't until I discovered like alternative and indie comics when I was in my late teens that I started to think, okay, you can you can pull out the story a little bit and you can you can take as many pages as you want to do something. It's not the same as having a comic book style format where it's twenty four pages long or a newspaper format which is four panels long. No, I think I just always had a different sense of what comics could be. Yep, please. Thanks. You you were you were talking about that period where nobody really knew, you know, that there was a market for that. And I'm wondering like did where did the X-Men book come from? Was that <laughs> I mean, was that sort of was that a part of that? Cuz you you were saying that they yeah. were kind of looking for like more like manga style things. Obviously, that was a big market with younger readers. Was that was that an attempt to play to that? I think so. So this is this is the book X-Men Misfits, which came out in 2009. It was published in sort of a joint partnership between Marvel Comics and Delray Manga, no. which is uh, part of Random House, right? That sounds they- <laughs> right. They're part of some big publisher. Yeah. So they approached me in 2008, and mm-hmm. they said, we really liked what you did with the Babysitter's Club. We want to hit your market, and we're publishing manga, and it's the X-Men. Yeah. Do you want to write it? And the, every single thing they said to me was just like a foreign language. I was like, what? 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 Yeah. what? We- but we then, like the Babysitter's Club. Yes. <laughs> that part you got. So so Dave is sitting there, and he's like, you have to do this. This is the yeah. coolest opportunity. You can't pass this up. Yeah. So I say, why don't you co-write it with me? And so that's what we did. And we we teamed up. We wrote the script. And then an Indonesian artist named Anzu was chosen to draw it. And we wrote two books for them. The first one was published. And before the second one was even drawn the imprint decided to go away. <laughs> so so the, the company that was publishing us ceased to exist. W- was that a good experience? Was it, I mean, not, not that them going well, away part, but actually writing the book. It was very interesting. Yeah. It was completely different than anything else I had ever done. I had never done superheroes. I really hadn't done work for hire. And I hadn't written. I had always drawn. So my first draft of that script was actually thumbnails. Yeah. And I, I thumbnailed the whole thing out because that was the only way I knew how to write. And the editors were like, no, Reina, you're not drawing this book. The artist is drawing this book. So please just send us a typed script. And it just, it didn't really feel natural to me. But because Dave has been writing scripts since the dawn of time, he was kind of there to help bridge the gap. It was a very interesting experience. And then it, it kind of came and went. But it's the first book that I ever had placed on the New York Times bestseller list. So when Smile was first published, they were able to say, Smile, by New York Times bestselling author Raina Tongemeyer. And it they didn't was, actually mention the name of the book. No, the but it, it gave me yeah. a level of cachet, in publishing circles anyway, that yeah. actually mattered. So are, are you, when you're scripting now, are you, are you actually just typing out the strips? Nope, I you still are, thumbnail. Still some thumbnail. Yeah. Okay. yeah. It's just what I do. Are, are, you, are you open to collaboration again? Yes. Yeah. With somebody other than your husband? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Don't call me though, because <laughs> everyone listening, yeah. because I am contracted through 2022, and I do have a couple of 
projects that are kind of percolating right now that are just completely different from anything else that I've ever done. I have a couple of people that I'm really eager to work with, and they know. So we've we've been talking kind of behind the scenes, and then it's just a matter of, like, will there be a contract? And yeah. will I get that contract before I finish my book that I finish in 2022? I don't know. We, 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 we were talking about this a little bit before uh, off, off mic when we were talking about some of the artists, who, like, some of the indie people are doing these big superhero books now, and... Um, you know, and, and, and I think I think this is a little bit more in line with the way I work. That I, I uh, the way my brain operates, I need to do five or six different things at the same time. Right. Um, I, I can't even at this like late stage in my life. I, I can't imagine just sort of like sitting down and working on something for what two years. Yeah, is that about right? Pretty much. I love it. You do. Yeah. You, you, you wouldn't be able to work on two things in tandem. I don't think so. I I used to do that all the time. I mean, I wrote. I did all the Babysitter's Club books simultaneous to Smile. Yeah. But that was just a page a week. It was like, this is my one hour a week. That's mine. Yeah. I could probably do something like that again. But for a while, I was doing my own books plus anthology projects. And they were just taking up too much time. And as soon as I said no more side projects, my brain just went, okay, this is great. Like, you can just sit at your desk and do the thing you're here to do. Yeah. All the time. I don't know. I'm I'm an introvert, and so I definitely get into like the zone where I'm just creating the thing. Yeah, and it's just it's just great. I just love that feeling. There's something there's there, there's something nice though about having that. You know, when you're doing in, in in as much as something like doing a babysitters club comic can be considered a day job. Yeah. Um, there is kind of something nice about just having this like secret little thing you're working on the side. Yeah. This thing that that maybe in a sense. You know, and as much as you enjoy doing the Babysitter's Club books, but something that you're kind of waiting all day to work on. Right. I, I do agree with you, but I think because I love the books that I make so yeah. much, I think being able to devote all of my time to them feels like I'm doing just yeah. that, but always. And it's great. And now that people don't see my work until it's published, it is kind of like I do have a secret. And now I'm getting to take advantage of sort of reminds me of serialized storytelling. Just, you know, me and the publisher make a plan at the very beginning of the process. Mm -hmm. We're like, this is going to be the title. This is when we're going to reveal the title. This is when we're going to reveal the cover. So I know all this in advance. And people ask me all along the way, what's your book called? When is it coming out? What's the, when's the cover going to be? So I, I'm like, I don't know you guys, maybe, maybe pretty soon. Like I can, I can sort of play with their anticipation. And, um, I knew for a while that I was going to announce ghosts at comic con, but I was really cagey about it with, with the kids on Instagram and stuff. And so yeah. when I finally did actually announce it, it was like everybody lost their minds. And that was really fun. But, but, it, but, it's, but it's as fun doing, you know, I, I guess doing, doing something like Smile when you're doing it serialized. And, and in a way, like, it seems like you were kind of scripting it as you were drawing yeah. it. Yeah. And now just like doing this whole script. So, 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 how, so how long is the, the script writing process? It all depends. I mean, I, I do an outline first and submit that to the publisher. And then it's just about finding the time. Like when I script, I have to shut off the phone and yeah. close the blinds and basically sit in a quiet, dark room for a month and just completely have Dave, my head Dave in just the sand. food under the door. Yeah. Yeah, totally. And, and it, it's great. But it's also maddening. Yeah. And I've, I've been able to knock out scripts in a month, but drama took me six months to write. So, yeah, it just yeah. depends. It depends on the book. It depends on how clear it all is in my head 
or if I'm just kind of making it up as I go. And I, I, I guess I'm wondering, you know, if, if the process of drawing something that's already so scripted at that point is if if it's as exciting if it you is know for me. even when you know you're 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 going where you're going it is for me yeah and it doesn't the script doesn't change at all in that process it changes a little bit yeah um i like to nail it down as carefully as possible and then you know when you're actually drawing the pages sometimes you think of a better way to to phrase something or to stage yeah. a scene but it there's not that much of that i think it's a like thumbnail i think because all of the beats are there and all of the energy and all of the emotion is there in my early drafts. I think it's just about trying to capture that in the finals. That's the biggest challenge. And there, there's no there's no kind of tedium to the, the process of, of drawing it out? <laughs> I have to lay out a lot of panel borders. So I'm, I sit, I sit yeah. at my desk for hours just like drawing squares. And I don't use computers for this stage. And I don't have an assistant that does that for me. So that part is a little bit monotonous. But... It's really hard for me to imagine taking anything out. Like, oh, I could skip this step. And, you know, it just doesn't, it doesn't feel right to me when I do that. So I I feel like I've gotten a pretty good system down. It just, it takes as long as it does. And as long as I know that in advance, that doesn't bother me at all. Why did drama take six months to write? Because I wrote it and then I had to write it again. I I guess it was all together. It took six months. Like the, the book I just, Sorry. I just had a brain lapse. Um, no, well, drama I wrote as a high school book. It was about older kids. And then Scholastic read it, and they were like, we like this, but we'd like it better if they were middle school kids. And the, the script is that much different between middle schoolers and high schoolers? It felt to me like it was, and I actually questioned whether or not I could do it. Yeah. Because it was just going to change the tone, and I didn't... Just in terms of, like, romantic relationships? Or... I guess. Just, I just felt like... The characters were who they needed to be. They said the things they needed to say, and then yeah. it, it was like, can you do it differently? Can so just scenes like, well, the characters are driving around in their cars, and they're going places together, sure. and now they're sitting in the backs of their parents' cars. Really, it like, just, lo- just sort of, like, logistical things. Logistical things, but that really does affect the characters yeah. and how they interact with each other and what they do. And because it was kind of based on my own high school experiences, trying to imagine what that all would have been like in middle school was weird for me. It's it's also it's you know and this you know this is the sort of thing that you say that makes you sound super old but it's um, it's so strange to sort of think about this and and how much society has changed and how much in some ways uh, society is more welcoming of like sexuality and right. and the way that I mean I would imagine like based on uh, like going to to junior junior high school as we called it and uh, and high school that. Even between, you know, there's like a two-year, three-year difference between the two of them. But 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 even given that, that there's a really big difference in the way that kids react to the idea yeah. of being gay, right? But the events that I'm sort of using as inspiration for drama were in like 1993 and 1994. Yeah. A lot has changed since 1993 yeah. and 1994. So, I mean, I was like, but this is high school. This is how high school is. And yeah. this is... This has to be older kids. My editors were like, no, no. Like, things have really changed yeah. a lot. And they're right. I mean, when I went on tour for drama, I'd go to middle schools, and they'd be like, we want you to come and talk to the Gay-Straight Alliance at our school. And I'd be like, oh, <laughs> great. Like, let's, And yeah. they're also the theater club? This is perfect. So things really <laughs> have changed. Um, to be fair, I am mostly sent to very 
sort of liberal urban markets. Yeah, but we're both from the Bay Area. I, know. I mean, it's not like <laughs> I think in Bay Area terms, but yeah. you know, it was interesting when drama was published though. I did get a couple of cancellations. I had I had some school visits and things lined up that they felt like, you know what, we'd rather not be a part of this. But I I mean, I met so many other great people. I didn't even know about it until later. <laughs> well, and then there's the the and banning. then I get on the banned books list. Yeah, was, was, is that is that a is that a source of pride for you? It's pretty cool. I mean, that <laughs> that means enough people are reading it to complain yeah. about it, and that's that's already a good thing. And then more people want to read it because they are like, well, "What's the problem? We need what, to find what out was for the, What was the what was the legalese complaint about the books? The legalese complaint was that it was like she says they said it was sexually explicit. <laughs> I see. And they're talking about a kiss between two boys that happens on stage. And everybody points out that if it were a boy and a girl that shared that kiss, nobody would have even batted an eye. But because it's two boys, it's sexually explicit. I mean, these these kids are 13. You know, they're not doing anything very exciting in this book, believe me. But, you know, it seemed authentic to me. It felt... It felt like what the characters would do in their own situations, and I don't, I'm, I'm really happy that Scholastic stood by me every step of the way. Have you have you had the opportunity to sort of like go out there and discuss this? Have you been on any like CBL, so CBLDF panels? And oh yeah, talked about it. Have you, have you become sort of an advocate for? Um, I guess so, but I'm also sort of shy when it comes to that sure. sort of thing for some reason. I don't know if it's because. I feel like everything I want to say is in the books themselves. And so for me to also get political and tell you how I feel about it as, yeah. a, as a creator of the books, I'm like, well, the way I feel is in the story. Yeah. So people ask me the same questions in 18 different ways. And I'm just like, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I wrote the book. I'm proud of the book. I believe in the book. What else do you want me to say? Was there any sense at all that there would be like any kind of controversy around that? A little bit. I mean, if you go to my Amazon listing page for drama, it's it's a field day. But but I mean, I mean, Amazon is Amazon. The internet is the internet. It's, it's as pretty. It's a field it, day, though. Yeah. Um, we we had a feeling that it would stir some controversy. We just didn't really know how much. Yeah. We didn't know where it would be centered. Again, the editors were just like, "Do what you do. You gotta you gotta tell your story, and we stand behind you." Yeah. Yeah. Um. So ghosts. Yes. <laughs> so this is this is like another th- th- kind of the biggest departure, I guess. In a it sense. is, yeah. Because y- you said dramas loosely or thinly veiled. Yeah. Autobiography in a it sense. It is. Is is there is there is this any reflection of anything that's happened to you? Is this um, come out of a true place? Do you know well, any the ghosts? Time that I've hung yeah. out with ghosts. No. Um. I mean, the story itself is still about real kids, and it is about real kids with real problems. And there's sort of a component of the main character's younger sister being very sick. And that I did kind of pull from people I know. I had some some cousins where uh, the younger of the two sisters had a brain tumor, and she died. And so having to sort of see what this family went through and how they dealt with it and especially how her older sister kind of handled it was really interesting to me and I hadn't I hadn't really gotten close to death before that I don't have anybody in my immediate family who's passed away and it was it was really profound it was really sad um 
but seeing how everybody kind of banded together and the way that they started discussing what it meant to them hmm. was something I felt like I wanted to pay homage to in the future. Homage? Homage? Do they're I? Actually, they're actually both right. <laughs> yeah. Vocabulary. Yeah. So... As long as you don't pronounce the H, I think. The character in the story does not have a brain tumor. I just want to get that out of the way. She's not, she doesn't have cancer because I still feel like cancer is not something I understand well enough to properly write about, or at least in this particular story. Um, So it, it ends up being about kids kind of ruminating on death and what it means to them. And I know you're making this face like, oh, (laughs) I'm like, yeah, so that, It's it's heavy. But it's heavy, but it's also magical realism. Okay. So it's fun. Yeah. There's like dancing skeletons. This has not been announced yet. So hey, boing boing, exclusive for <laughs> you. But yeah, it's it's actually really fun, and it's it's got a lot of great fun things to draw, and I'm having a ball with it. Yeah, that was I always I always come back to this. Uh, well, I was I was interviewing Jaime Hernandez, and and he was discussing. Um, yeah, he was basically saying, like, if you're going to sit down and you're going to work on a 200-page book, you might as well pick some things you want to draw on over it. Totally. Him, it was cars. Yeah. But that's, I, I guess that's, you know, and, and that's sort of why I was asking you kind of around something like, uh, like, like, like drama, for example, where you're just kind of drawing kids over them. Right? And mm-hmm. there, aren't, there aren't that many opportunities to draw something. But I like drawing kids. Okay. And I was always a little hesitant to do anything that was fantasy because... My, my, my hang-up is that if I can't look at it, I can't draw it. Yeah. I need to be able to look at something in order to figure out how to draw it. So I'm like, sure. but ghosts don't exist. How am I supposed to know how to draw them? And I feel the same way about dragons. People always want me to do, like, you yeah. know, dragon stories for some reason. And I'm like, but I, there's no picture of a dragon on the Internet except for the ones that other people have drawn. And I just don't have a sense in my brain of what things look like. Did you find yourself just, like, sitting there and, like, waiting to get to that page where you could draw a skeleton? Yeah. yeah. I was like, I don't know what's going to happen here. I'll just see what happens. How did you get around the ghost problem? Um, I don't want to tell you because oh. it's in the book. <laughs> yeah. Wait and see. 2016. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Brian. So, so when, when, did the, um, when did this event happen that the, the book was kind of loosely, loosely based on? The, sorry? The, the, the oh, the, the, yeah. this was, I think, two years ago. Okay. so this is But what's interesting is that this story and these characters have existed in my head since at least 2008, hmm. because that's when my earliest sketches of these characters are dated. So I know I've had this kind of kicking around in there, and I know a lot of it just came from wanting to draw certain images yeah. and certain themes and certain ideas. You know, I kind of kept coming back to Halloween. I kept coming back to Day of the Dead. I kind of kept coming back to these visuals. And so that that aspect of the story existed for a long time. And it wasn't until I, I spent time with these kids and this family that I started to feel like this is really going to ground it in a way that I hadn't expected. But I'm, I don't know, it, it feels really wistful to me to make this story. And it's a tough but it but it's a tough line to walk because the thing that grounded it is something very serious. It's and pretty serious, yeah. <laughs> it's it's like the most serious thing in a way and Yes. And I mean it, So how it do you had, it had to be hard to to, to tackle to, yeah. to decide if you were going to do something that heavy. Definitely. But you don't know until you try and yeah. I knew I wanted to tell the story and so sitting down to write it was the hardest part. I spent almost all last year trying to make it happen yeah. and I I didn't give myself that much time that was part of the problem was I was like oh I have a day I'll, I'll try to write a scene today sure 
And I just don't work that way. I need to close the shades and I need to turn off the phone and I need to do all the things I described just to kind of get myself into the zone and then just write and don't stop writing until you're done writing. So, so eating, sleeping, those kind of basic necessities kind of fall by the wayside during that process. So you actually, you actually literally had to finish the script before you knew you were done or before you knew that you were on to something? No, just that it's really hard for me to feel a sense of accomplishment until it's done. Yeah. So, so I can sort of be like half in the story, but it's better if I'm all the way in the story. But, you know, were, were there, were there specific, were, were there scenes where, 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 you know, what, at what <laughs> point were we at when something like really like clicked that like, okay, like now I'm on that right track. I just know that you know it when you feel it. Okay. You just, I think it helps me to know where I'm starting. Yeah. And then things just start coming out and I often don't know where they're coming from. They're just coming. And it's, a lot of it is just tapping into emotions and you start to to write and then you start to remember something and then a a person comes to your mind and then you start to write in their voice and Hmm. I don't know. It's really hard to describe the process of writing, but I can just tell you that for me, it's just getting into a zone and then letting myself stay in that zone and then following every single rabbit hole I can find until it's done. Well, but you know, it's such a cliche, but you know, like the key to editing is writing. And that's the issue about going down these rabbit holes is you need to find basically the right series of rabbit holes that lend themselves to a cohesive story. Yes. And having an outline in the first place really helps. But this was a case where I strayed. I strayed from my outline and didn't. It was just like being in completely uncharted territory, but you just kind of got to let it happen. What point are you thumbnailing? Are you thumbnailing right from the beginning? Yeah. <laughs> it takes a while. It's just, just so it's so it's so hard for me to, to visualize. There's no point when you're just writing words on paper. Never. So it's just here's the first panel. I'm, I'm drawing panels. I'm drawing stick figures, and then word balloons are coming out of their mouths, and then they move, and then they yeah. pause, and then they interact, and I'm just kind of chasing them it's a lot harder to you know like if 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 i'm if i'm writing things in a word doc doc it's easier to move things around but once you've written that scene i mean you you flip pages (laughs) yeah and then you if you're smart you're working digitally at this stage and you can just copy and paste and resize things and shove them around but i'm doing it all on paper so i'm literally cutting things up with scissors and taping them into different positions have you tried the computer thing I don't have a Cintiq. Okay. I, sh- I should probably get one, and then I can try it. But, yeah, it just it just feels natural on paper. Yeah. And it's more about the editing stage that I have a problem with. Like, I think that the ideal now is for me to kind of let the, the process happen on paper and then scan everything and then be able to manipulate stuff digitally for the second draft. I, 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 was, re- I was reading a... a was it? I think it was a, the Washington Post interview you did, mm-hmm. um, and you were talking. You were discussing the, the the process of writing sisters, and then that was really uh, finding a couple of instances and building stories around. That. Yeah, uh, which is which which sounds like is very similar to, to Smile in a way. It was um, that that, and in that way, you didn't even expect them to necessarily build out into a, an entire book. I mean, is that even with something that's as thin, thinly veiled or otherwise, but that that is in fact fiction? Is that is that a similar process of building around scenes? Um, it just depends. Yeah. <laughs> in, the, in this particular book, was there ghosts? 
sorry, was there? What, what, was you know, what were you taking? I'm like, I guess, I guess you know, death is that is that event. <laughs> sorry, Brian, I'm waiting for the question. That's I'm, okay. Yeah, <laughs> my yeah. brain is shorting no, out. No, no, like, no, that's okay. no, no. Uh, <laughs> I was, I was working through. Forgive me. <laughs> I was like answering the question yes. as I was, as I was, as I was, as like, I was speaking. That it. is true. <laughs> yeah. Um, you must have, you must have grappled though with with how to deal with. Did, except this is where the magical real- yeah. realism comes yeah. in is that I'm I'm those were the scenes I had in my head already was how to how to deal with this stuff hmm. and how to turn it into something that would actually just be fun to look at and fun to experience yeah so it was it was it was a fun it was a fun little journey yeah no, no no worries about you know maybe being like a little like glib about it or or no, not really. Okay. No, I just that that's I you know that that I feel like if I sort of sat down and tried to write something about on that sub- subject that that would be my chief concern the, that I would worry that I would be like dismissive or I the the goal is always to keep it fun. Yeah. If that's if that's even possible, just to keep this conversation ultimately fun and that there's a lot of fun stuff that happens along the way. I mean, I was kind of looking at Miyazaki films for inspiration. Yeah, they sure. they do deal with a lot of sort of yeah, heavy yeah. subjects. Yeah. But they strike a balance. Yeah. You know, you, you move into a really heavy scene and you feel it, but then something magical happens or you 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 all go, Oh, that was oh, everything's fine, okay. I and now we're gonna true. fly. Yeah. And, and that, that's like and, and that go, that way predates Miyazaki. It's all, all of these really sort of, you know, fantastical stories of kids are about them like escaping the sort of terror yeah. <laughs> you know they're all leading these like, these like Dickensian lives and they needed to right. find some way to escape them yeah so that's it's a balancing act always yeah. it'll be it'll be really interesting too because you know you, you're, you already get some interesting feedback as we were talking about earlier it'll be interesting to see because um, yeah I mean especially I mean you've been fortunate enough to not have had to deal with that in your life but just kids who have like at an early age experienced this sort of thing yeah yeah that's gonna be gotta kind of brace yourself for that yeah no i think what happens with me is people just want to share their stories so when i wrote a book about braces everybody wanted to tell me about their braces yeah i wrote a book about drama club and everybody wanted to tell me about drama club yeah and then now people want to tell me all about their sister which are all their brother they are but you know i think they're not always pleasant stories. Like people, I hear a lot of stories from people who have had super traumatic orthodontic experiences or they've had, you know, teeth that didn't grow in or they had a really terrible accident or something. So I do hear a lot of those kinds of things. And then they say, but this book helped me get through it, Mm -hmm. you know? So I think, I think that's how stories are are great is that they, they kind of help people get to the other side of a situation that they didn't think anybody could relate to, or they just didn't see themselves anywhere else except they found themselves in a story and it just it really helps kids and it really helps their parents and it helps me as a creator to know that something i just imagined in my brain like turned into something that mattered and that's really cool is it still is it still like is it still exciting going to those classrooms and seeing all those kids yeah of course they 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 scream yeah like i'm a rock musician and that's pretty awesome yeah (laughs) Were, were you you know, you 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 won, you won another Eisner. I did, and that's still still exciting. awesome. It's oh still, yeah, it's still it's still surreal. Doesn't get old. Yeah, I was still shaking like a dummy up there, and yeah, of course, it was great. It was a good night. I mean, yeah, I 
I can't remember. You know, I was, I was I was reading a couple of like interviews you did on, on the way here. Um, because I haven't spoken with you in a while. <laughs> Wanted to catch up through some of these interviews. Um, and somebody said, I, you know, I think it might have been Comics Alliance, but I think they called you, like, the most famous person in comics or the you were something, like, something crazy hyperbolic like that. <laughs> it's just, it's got to be hard to sort of put that into perspective. It's... I mean, you know... It's I, weird, for sure. You know, how many, how many bestsellers is it now? Um, it's five. And it's not just the number. It's like, you know, it's, it's half three of, of the list. kind of been sitting on there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's cool. I think uh, Smile just hit three years on the list. Drama's at two. And Sisters, as of this recording, is at 46 weeks. Are you thinking about the fact that a lot of people are reading them now as you're writing them? Are you thinking about this giant audience? Uh, I try not to. Have, and, and kids, like, you know, kids more than anyone else and end up having like these expectations as far as yeah I I think I've gotten to the point where I trust myself and I trust my editors and then I trust my readers too like I trust that the readers think they know what they want they all think they want exactly what you've already given them but when you give them something new then they want more of that so I'm 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 at the point now. This is my fourth original book. I feel like it's going to be fine, and I yeah. I I like it. You know, I care about the story, and I think that'll it'll be a different kind of book, though. So it might just find a different audience. It might not resonate the same way with my current audience. It's, we don't know. We won't know until fall of 2016. But <laughs> Sisters was was kind of in a sense a way of like doing like a sequel and or doing it something was. similar to yeah. Smile. Something I said I would never do, and then there it is. Yeah, no. As soon as as soon as that was announced, people were like, "Okay, good. All right, good. More smile, more smile, more smile." But then, you know, after Sisters came out, people were like, "But what about a drama sequel?" And yeah. so they just people just want more of what they want, more of what they like. I get it. What, what, is, is the new book was is that a very sort of conscious effort to do something different? Um, not so much as me just feeling like I have this other story that I want to tell. Yeah. What do you think? And and Scholastic again behind me every step of the way, and just saying, well, you know, my agent will say this is a good career move, and I'm mm-hmm. like, I don't care if it's a good career move. That's not what I'm here for. Yeah. I'm not making moves of any sort. I'm just, I'm very fortunate that I get to follow whatever yeah. it is that's in my heart at the moment, and that they let me. But I guess at this point, my track record is such that they feel they can let me do that. I. It's really. <laughs> it's, it's nice being. Uh, pioneer. I mean, that's sure. what, that kind of comes with the territory, right? I mean, you you proved yourself in something that nobody thought was going to be successful. Yes, and I I was never interested in just getting good at one thing and then doing that thing forever. Yeah. Like I think it would have been why easy the for daily me. Daily strip would have killed you. Sure, <laughs> but I could have I could have written Smile and then said, okay, I'll just write Autobio from now yeah. on. But. I want to keep trying new things and I want to keep pushing myself and, and, and surprising people if it's possible. And I want to, I want to, I have a lot of different things I want to do in my life and I feel like I'm only getting started. So I'll hopefully get to keep trying new things and seeing where it takes me. There you go. That was Raina Telgemeier. Uh, I went back and looked and realized that it had actually been, this is <laughs> slightly depressing to say, it had been eight years since the last time I had really sort of sat down and had a good long interview with Raina. Uh, we did that uh, in our mutual neighborhood of Astoria, as we did with the last one. Um, 
really hard to pin her down. She's she's extremely busy. Um, obviously, uh, it's been a it's been a pretty pretty good and successful eight years for her. Um, the last time talked about this a little bit at the top of the interview, but you know the last time that we sat down, uh, she was still working on the Babysitters Club books, and she was uh, about to get ready to turn her uh, web slash mini comic smile into a graphic novel and was a little nervous at the time she didn't know if she was going to be able to find a publisher uh she didn't know if anybody was going to really into it um i you know i told her of course that of course it was going to do well um i obviously was right it's been on the new york times bestseller list for uh 173 weeks which is I don't. I assume is unprecedented. It, at the very least, it's um, astonishing and insane. Uh, that is, but that is only one of four books that she currently has on the top ten New York Times best-selling graphic novels. Um, so uh, thanks so much to her for taking the time to do that. And obviously, uh, all of her successes are are much much deserved. Really enjoyed that conversation. Very very good catching up with her. Uh, thanks uh, thanks to Brian as always for editing this thing together. Thanks. To you guys for listening to the show. If you liked what you heard, please do us a favor. Uh, rate us over on iTunes. A few people have done that recently, which is much, much appreciated. Uh, follow us on, on Tumblr at rwalcast.tumblr.com. Uh, like us on, on Facebook. I, I keep threatening to update that thing soon, and, and that's, that's definitely going to happen at some point. I will definitely post to it. Uh, at some point in the next six months or so. Uh, if you have any feedback, you can send us a note. It's rolcast at, uh, at gmail.com. That's, I think that's about all I got for right now. Lots and lots of good shows coming up, so stick around. We will be back just about this time next week with another episode of R.A.Y.L. <laughs>